This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. You ever heard the phrase, I, I know you have, if something's too good to be true, what's the rest of it? Probably is. Can I tell you, with every single thing in your life, except for Jesus, that's true. But when it comes to Jesus... The promises that he makes seem too good to be true. You know what that uh, chalkboard was filled with? It was filled with reality and lies all at the same time. Reality in that it was filled with things that we all do. You could look on that board and you could find things that you have probably done. I looked on that board, I saw some things that I have done. That's the reality part of it, but here's the lie part of it. The lie part of it says, because that's the reality of who we have been, it defines who we are today. And that's not the truth. It could, but it doesn't have to. That's the overwhelming message of the Bible. I pray for every one of us this morning, before we got here, Prayed throughout the week as God was laying this sermon on my heart and revealing it to me. Because the truth is, every single one of us brings a past into this room. We all have it. And here's the truth. Uh, uh, Let's just take my life and put it up here. There's the timeline of my life. And I'm going to guess and say I'm somewhere in here. Okay, this is the present. On this side of the timeline, I have 59 years, nine months, and one week. That's impressive, don't you think? All right. Right here in, in, in the present, I have one day. And the rest of my life on this earth, I have no idea. How long? And then the rest of my life goes on into eternity. The interesting part of this is I have lived all of that already. So it's real easy for me to find my identity in this. It's real easy for me to allow this to define who I am, not only today, but all the way through the rest of my life. Now, God wants to do something about that. We're going to talk about that this morning. So before we get into that, let me introduce myself to those of you who are new. My name is Ron, and I'm the senior pastor of New Life, and I'm going to be giving us teaching from the Bible for the next 30 minutes or so. And so I welcome you along on that journey. And for those of you that this is your first time to be here at New Life, every Sunday at New Life is a learning experience. This is a church where we don't just repeat things that we already know. We actually come here ready to learn. And so I'm going to be learning along with you this morning and to help us along in that process. If you'll open your programs and pull out the teaching notes part of it, uh, that will guide us through what we're going to be doing for the rest of the morning. And before I get into that teaching, I want to say a couple of things that have to do 
um, with us as a church family. Uh, over the past few weeks, somewhere around 150 different families have uh, had the wonderful opportunity of having the vision of the church laid out for them. Those of you who came last Sunday night to our all-church meeting, you got the vision of the church and so forth. We recognize that some of you couldn't make that meeting. I want to encourage you, on our website, there's a button right on the home page. Go to that button and click on it. It says all-church meeting because there's some some great information that will be very helpful for you uh, to look at, to bring you up to speed for what you missed, and uh, it will take you to our podcast and other things of that particular meeting. So there's a little church business, but enjoy that. I think you're going to find it refreshing, encouraging, and inspiring, as well as informational. So um, I have one other thing. I'll steal a little bit of Kevin's thunder. Did you see the donuts on the way in? Yes? Eat a donut for Jesus. You never ever thought you'd hear that at church, right? I had somebody else say, no, pastor, it means get fat for God. <laughs> Actually, you're going to help send uh, several InterVarsity inter, uh, Christian Fellowship students to Guatemala and other places this summer as they carry the name of Jesus with them. And that's a great thing to eat a donut for, right? So even if you're on a diet, you can take a break today. You have a heavenly exemption. How's that? <laughs> all right. So having said all of that, Let's get back to, um, to what we're going to learn this morning. I want to start out with a reality. Take a look at the video screens and you'll see the very first reality. And that is when our present identity is defined by our past, we have officially been pickpocketed by our past. I don't know if you've ever been pickpocketed. I have been pickpocketed one time and I had a number of emotions that came to me almost spontaneously, okay? The first was disbelief, right? Because somebody took something out of my pocket and I didn't even know it. That was a little scary to me. And then I went to anger because somebody had something that was really mine and they stole it from me. You know, if we're not careful, our past can do that to us. We can be fully aware of our present and without knowing it, our past slips in and it starts to take away our current identity. And the next thing you know, our past has determined our present. It's stolen our present. And what's worse is it has stolen our future. There's room in the margin to put this in your notes. Because one of the things that you and I need to understand about the past, the present, and the future is how they best relate to each other. Okay? Write this somewhere in the margins. Okay? We learn from the past, but we look to the future. Would you say that with me? We learn from the past, but we look to the future. You see, if we decide to look to the past, it creates problems for us. In fact, there are three very specific ways in which the past can pickpocket our present, and we're going to write them up here in words, all right? And the first is our past can pickpocket our present by accusing us. 
We've all done things in our past. You saw maybe some of yours on that chalkboard. We've all done things in our past that we're not proud of. In fact, our past oftentimes contains what I call the unholy trinity. You know what that is? Guilt, regret, and shame. That's the unholy trinity right there. And oftentimes when we live in the past or when we haven't dealt with the realities of our past, our guilt will rise up, our regret will rise up, and the shame will rise up, and it takes captive the present, and it holds the future captive, and we get continually accused. I'm going to talk about how to deal with that a little bit later. The second way that our past can pickpocket our present and our future is found in the word excuse. You see, the amazing thing is, it's easy to see how we could be, feel guilty and have regrets and feel shame about the choices we've made in the past that we specifically chose. We chose to go out and, and, and do this thing that we knew was wrong. But the reality is, some of us in this very room, probably many of us in this very room, feel guilty We have regrets and we feel shame, not about things we chose to do, but about things that were actually done to us by other people. So how do we deal with that? If we're not careful, those become excuses for why we are what we are today. If you drive down Washington Street... Just beside Grocery Outlet, there's a patch in the road that's bumpy. Have you noticed it recently? Big time bumps. No offense to our wonderful city fathers, but apparently we don't have enough money to fix the bumps. So how have we chosen to deal with that? We put a sign that says bump. Okay? And that's supposed to take care of that. Have you ever thought about how many people in your world wear a bump sign? I was abused as a kid. That's why I yell and scream and get mad. Bump. I'm the child and the adult child of an alcoholic. That's why I... And if we're not careful, we allow the things that were done to us to become excuses so that they excuse us from the responsibility of living up to the full potential we have in life. Friends, don't ever allow your past to talk you in to giving away your present and your future. Jesus didn't die so that your past could dominate your present and your future. He's got better stuff than that for you. There's a third way, and this is even more insidious because it seems innocent, okay? And it's found in the word rest. There's a saying that goes like this. Young people tell you how it's going to be. Middle-aged people tell you how it is. Old people what? Tell you how it was. I can't tell you how many people I meet who live in the past because they're all done doing anything of any significance. Their past might be wonderful. It might be great. 
I remember hearing the story, and I can't tell you if it's true, but I can tell you it illustrates a point about a young artist who was training under his master. And he was working on his painting, and he was working on his painting, and, and he got it. He got this particular painting all done, and he stepped back, and he looked at it, and he ran, and he got his master, and he said, come and look at my painting. It's the masterpiece of my life. I've never done anything like that. I'll never do anything that great again. And the master looked at it, walked up, took it off the easel, and ripped it. And he said, son, if you think that's as good as you can do, you're done in life. You understand? Don't ever allow even the good things that you have done in the past to become your masterpiece. Old people are famous for telling stories, correct? All right? I want to share with you something. I hope you never forget it. Don't ever get so old that you're more interested in telling stories than in creating new ones. Do I need to say that again? Don't ever get so old that you're more interested in telling stories than you are in creating new ones. Because if you allow that to happen, you have officially been pickpocketed by your past. So then... How do we rightly handle our past? We're going to take a look at three words or three phrases. And the first is release. Take a look at the video screens. We're going to learn a truth and a principle right here. God has the desire and the power to completely release us from all guilt, regret, and shame connected with our past. We can spend the rest of the morning just going over that truth because it's got some really important words. Number one, God has the desire. Did you know that's God's desire for you? If you could interview God this morning and you could say to Him, God, what's your greatest desire for me? He would say to you, You are my child, and here's what I want to do with your past. I want to see you release your past. So it doesn't define who you are today, and it doesn't take away who you are in the future. You see, learn from your past, but look to the future. Do you realize if you live in the past, you give up your present and your future? Do you realize if you live only for today, you will probably give up your future because you'll make stupid choices today that throw away your future. It's only as you learn from the past but look to the future that you can properly live today. That's how those relate to each other. So God wants us to release the past. You see, let's talk about the the guilt the regret, and the shame. Are those bad? No. They're like warning lights on your dashboard of your car. When the check engine light comes on, is that bad? Well, no, not necessarily. It could malfunction and not come on. You could blow up your engine. The warning light is on on your dash because it's telling you something needs to be fixed. Now, are warning lights best left on Or are they best attended to? Yeah. Do you attend to them by putting duct tape over them so they don't shine in your eyes? Hate that light. 
Did you know the Bible has a verse about that? David tried that. Take a look. When I refused to confess my sin, I put duct tape over my sin so I didn't have to look at it. My body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, God's hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Does that sound like a fun place to live? That, my friends, is misery. Because that's exactly what long-term guilt, long-term regret, and long-term shame do to all of us. But when we experience guilt, regret, and shame, and we respond to them correctly, and we go to God in repentance, and we ask Him to forgive us and to release that from our lives, an amazing thing happens. Take a look at these three verses of Scripture. If we confess our sins, that's the opposite of hiding them. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So look at a second verse. I am the God who forgives your sins. I do this because of who I am. Understand that you can't go to God with an entitlement mindset. Oh, I said I'm sorry. God, you owe this to me. No, it's God's grace and because of who God is that He extends forgiveness to you and to me. I do this because of who I am. I will not hold your sins against you. And one of my favorite verses, take a look at this in Isaiah 44. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me. Read that last phrase out loud with me. Ready? For I have paid the price to set you free. Isn't that great? I have paid the price to set you free from everything that you've done. Friends, I want you to know this. Here's a principle. Secret sin cannot coexist with inner peace. You're going to choose in life one or the other. And if you choose to hang on to secret sin in your life, you will automatically forfeit inner peace because they cannot coexist. And if you decide to choose inner peace, it will eventually motivate you to get rid of the secret sin in your life. They cannot stay in the same place at the same time. Isn't that great? That's the absolute truth. So the first thing that God wants us to do is He wants us to come to Him and to get our past released. Now, friends, if the message ended right there, would it be good news? It would be great news. It would be absolutely great news, but there's even more good news. Because this next word that we're going to talk about, I didn't actually realize this until I was praying about this message, and God began to share with me the concept that redeem is unique to Christianity. You're not going to get redemption by following the eightfold path. You're not going to get redemption by trying to get your good deeds to outweigh your bad deeds because fundamentally that rules out redemption. You're not going to get redemption by offering sacrifices to pagan gods. You're not going to get redemption by going into some temple and burning incense to an idol. You cannot get what what the Bible, the concept 
of redemption, you cannot get it anywhere except in God because He's the only one who ever promises it. What does that look like? Let's take a look at the screen. God has the desire and the ability and the power to bring good out of every painful and sinful portion of our past. God not only releases us from it, and we're no longer guilty of it, but God goes back into that past and He takes those painful experiences and those sinful experiences, and God says, I want to do something good with that. I want to do something great with that. We actually saw that in action last Sunday, right here. Remember John Diamond's story? Were you encouraged by that and inspired by that? I was. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me, let me show you how this works. John stood up here and he shared the story of his painful and sinful past and how he made wrong choices. And he ended up with an empty life. And though he was externally successful, internally, he was a mess. And he was self-medicating and just messing up his life completely. And then God began to get a hold of him and, and, and through a, a series of circumstances, God brought him to church and started to expose him to the truth and the reality of what God wanted to do in his life. And in two months, he made the decision to become a Christian. He got baptized and he got fully released from all of the painful and sinful things in his past. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But there was more. Because when John walked up here and he began to share the story of his painful past. God began to do good things in our life through the pain in his. And God began to redeem John's past and bring good out of it. That's pretty amazing stuff. That's God's promise to us. It's what sets God apart from every other God. Now I want to show you this in the Bible. Most of you have heard of the story of Joseph, Joseph or know at least part of it. He, was the, he had ten older brothers, and he was his father's favorite child. And because of that, all ten of his brothers thought he was great, right? No, they hated him. They absolutely hated him. In fact, their hatred for him got so intense that one day, behind their father's back, they conspired and they sold him to a band of slave traders. How badly do you have to hate your brother to do that? That's pretty intense, isn't it? And they lied about it uh, to their father and he thought that he had been killed and eaten by a wild animal and his father grieved and they said goodbye to Joseph and they thought they'd never see him again. But as God was directing things and as God was working out things, eventually there was a famine in the land where Joseph's brothers lived and they went down to the land of Egypt to get food and there they encountered Joseph. But they didn't recognize him because by the hand and the providence of God, he had actually gone from being a slave to being the vice president of their country. And he was in charge of all food distribution. Joseph recognized them, and there's a wonderful interchange that's found in some of the later chapters of the book of Genesis in the Bible. But when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers, they are scared spitless. Because all he has to do is say one word, and they're dead meat. Done. But I want you to see how Joseph responds. Take a look. Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Can I do 
what only God can do. You know what that is? Redeem. Take a bad situation and turn it into good. Can I do what only God can do? You meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil into good. Would you underline that? God turned your evil into good. Friend, instead of allowing your past to define who you are and to limit who you are and to accuse you and condemn you, why not take your past and pray that prayer over it? God, would you take my evil and turn it into good? Only you can do that. Because God has the desire and the power to bring good out of every painful and sinful thing in our past. Let's go to the third phrase. God has the ability to give us a new identity. Take a look. Here's the truth. God has the desire and God has the power to redefine our identity. We see this every day on television shows. They're called extreme makeover, correct? And we see a dilapidated old house that gets a whole new identity and you can't even recognize it. We see people who are grotesquely overweight and we see them lose half of their body weight and become chiseled and and no one would recognize them. God has the ability to do that in your soul. I have two sets of glasses here. And the amazing thing about our past is our past is like a set of sunglasses. When we put them on, we look cool, right? Yeah, you finally got there. All right? But you know, the tough thing about sunglasses is they color everything they see. Because what you see isn't actually real. It's seen through a colored lens. So people and objects appear darker than they are in actual real life. And if I were to preach with these, you would be in trouble because I would have a diff- I can read that screen, but if I got a whole lot smaller than that, I'd be in big trouble. Because they don't bring things into focus. In my case, it leaves them out of focus. Now what God has said to us is... I want to take your past and I want to exchange it for your present and your future where things are clear, where they're brought into focus, where you can see things as they really are in full color, in living detail. And it's our new identity. When we look in the mirror, we see a different person. 1998, Pat Burrow was drafted in the baseball draft number one by the Philadelphia Phillies organization. He went on to become a star with the Philadelphia Phillies and he, and he played for them for many, many years. But in 2010, a deal was made between, between the San Francisco Giants and, and uh, Pat Burrell and he became a San Francisco Giant. Those of you who follow baseball know he was an integral part of the Giants' uh, run to the World Series. And today... He wears a world championship ring with the San Francisco Giants. Now, the irony of this was in the National League Championship Series, the Giants played the Philadelphia Phillies. So I want you to transport yourself with me to the first game of the National League Championship Series 
And, it, and it's in Philadelphia because they had the better record. And it's time for the game to begin. And the Philadelphia Phillies are running out of their dugout. And they're running out onto the field to take the field for the very first inning of the National League Championship Series. And out of the dugout of the Giants, Pat Burrell stands up and runs out to the outfield. Would there be a problem? Bruce Bochy would be running after him. What do you think you're doing? He looks at Bruce and says, Bruce, you don't understand. The vast majority of my life, I have been a Philly. That's my identity. That's what I've lived in for virtually all of my life. This is natural and normal for me. Bruce would look at him and say, man, you don't get it. The moment you signed a contract with the San Francisco Giants, your identity changed. You are no longer a Philadelphia Philly. You are a San Francisco Giant. It's time for you, buddy, to live in your new identity. Does that make sense to everybody? All right, now listen to me. The moment you decided to become a Christian and follow Christ, you got a new identity. I don't care how many years you lived in your past. You got a new identity. This, this, this truth is all throughout Scripture. I, I, I kind of loosely call them the passages that say, you once were, but now you are. It's pretty cool stuff. I just selected one. Take a look at it here. You who were once far away from God... You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him. And what's the last phrase? Without a what? How's that sound? Is that awesome? That's great. Now, there's some wonderful opposites. He starts by saying, you were once far away from God. Draw a circle around far away from God. Draw a circle around, brought you into his own presence and connect the two. You understand? Far away from God, old identity. In the presence of God, new identity. He goes on to say, you were his enemies. Draw a circle around that. And then go down and draw a circle around, um, he has reconciled you to himself. And connect those two. Old identity, enemies of God. New identity, reconciled to God. And then he talks about your evil thoughts and your actions. Draw a circle around that. And then go down and draw a circle around. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And connect those two. Old identity, evil thoughts and evil actions. New identity, holy and blameless. Standing before him without a single fault. Is that an extreme makeover? It is. Friends, only God can do that. That is the message of Scripture. I want to close with a little toy. It's called a doodler. It's sort of the modern version of an etch-a-sketch. Remember the old etch-a-sketches? Yeah. Well, the great thing about a doodler is you can just kind of draw anything on it that you want. And for many of us, that's pretty much what our past looks like. 
It's not real beautiful. It doesn't have a whole lot of form. We started out to draw a picture, but our monkey didn't end up looking like a monkey, although we monkeyed around, right? And we introduced a few things, and it brought destruction and, 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 and problems, and we just made a mess of it. And you know what God says? If you bring that to me, I want to write a new present and future for you. So now God could just start writing over the top of this, but it still wouldn't look all that good, would it? Because before he can write a new story, he has to do this with the old one. So we come to him and say, God, would you release me from my past? Would you redeem my past? And would you create in me a new identity? Let's look at some things that you and I can do this week that will help us cooperate with God in that process. We can choose to become a Christian because that's where you sign that contract with God. And friends, as long as Pat Burrell had no contract with the, with the New York, I mean with the San Francisco Giants, he was not a giant. And deciding to become a Christian is where you sign that contract with God. Secondly, we can do this. We can confess a sin in my life and we'll partner with God to be victorious over it. What did we learn about secret sin? Secret sin cannot coexist with what? Inner peace. For some of us, we need to be right there. We need to confess and we need to begin to deal with the sin in our life. Number three, I will trust God this week with an area of my past that I have struggled with. Even as that song played where, the, where they were writing on the board those things, some of you knew immediately what from your past you still drag around with you. Because though God has paid the price to release you from it, you still drag it. Somehow you reach down, you pick up the old glasses, and you put them on, and that's how you choose to live. Number four. I will seek out and embrace a new horizon this week. This is for those of you who are more interested in telling stories than living out new ones. I don't care how old you are. Get a new horizon and give God a chance to do something fresh and new in your life. And then number five, I will immerse myself in my new identity by joining a life group. See, the last principle that we didn't put on the video screens, let's put it on there now. And that is, if you want to live in your new identity, you've got to immerse yourself in it. You know, for Pat Burrell, he had a new coach to relate to. He had new teammates to relate to. He had a new clubhouse. He had new signals. He had a new playbook. He had a new stadium to play in. He had a new community to get adjusted to. He had a lot of work to do once he signed that contract. And friends, once you sign the contract with God, you have a lot of work to do to live in your new identity. And that's why, remember that verse that we just read? You used to be this, but now you are this. You used to be this, but now you are this. This is the very next verse. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Or your, or your past will come up and pickpocket you again. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's a morning of amazing information. Life-changing, so encouraging, so inspiring, so helpful. And yet, God, without your help, 
we don't have the ability to embrace it and live it out. So we come to you this morning. Those of us who haven't yet chosen to sign that contract with you, we just sort of come to church and hope that by coming to church we feel better. God, would you enable us this morning to make the decision and say, no, that's not good enough for me. I'm ready to have my past fully released and I'm ready to embrace the future and I'm ready to sign that contract with with you, God, and to get that new identity. Lord, would you help us to do that? For those of us who need to confess a sin to you, God, would you give us the grace to do one other thing? Would you help us to look out a respectable, honest, trustworthy friend to confess that sin to them and make them a prayer partner so we can begin to experience full release from that sin. For those of us, Lord, who are still dragging around our past and using it as an excuse for why we are what we are today, God, would you help us to take our past and trust you with it? And then, Lord, would you enable us to choose new horizons so that even this week we could be busy creating stories, new stories? And then, Lord, give us grace to sign up for a life group that would be part of helping us live in our new identity. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.